Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Middle Falls Christian Center. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, how wonderful it is to know that we always have you close by. And Father, as we gather in your house, we are so dependent upon your Holy Spirit. It is true, it is your Spirit in me. It is my victory because he teaches us of Jesus Christ. And Father, may Jesus Christ be glorified this morning in our lives, every day of our lives, until you come to take us to be with you. And Lord, let your Spirit break every yoke of bondage this morning, and that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we may come to know you more intimately. And may Jesus Christ always be glorified. And if you believe this with me, we all say, Amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, band. Thank you very much. It's always wonderful to be in the house of God and seeing many people in the house of God. You know, the beauty, it's always a privilege to minister unto you what the Lord has put on one's heart. And the beauty of it is always, it's every single time that you start with a message, you start in the exact same place. You start on your knees. And you're waiting for the Lord to tell you, what is it that you want me to say, that you want to share to your people? And in this preparation, and I don't say do this as a rule, because I never do this as a rule. I don't believe in it as a rule. But it just so happened that as I was preparing and I opened up the Word of God, and then I wanted to preach, and the Lord told me to stop. He said, that way you've opened, speak to them, because that is the Word for now. It's not the only scripture that we will read from this morning, but it's just as a start. And as I was reading, the Lord just put this on my heart. I felt this sense of peace and actually a, a, a manner of joy. And the Lord made it very clear. Why would you not be at peace and have joy? Because you've just opened the word of God, number one. But number two, for us who are called Christians and who live as Christians... What in this world should take us down if we have the Word of God? You see, no matter how things may be out there, no matter what it is that you may be going through at this point in time, no matter what it is that you have heard, nothing can replace the truth what is in here. And if we look at the things and all the atrocious things that are happening in the world today, why is it that we feel this peace? Because God has already answered us. He told us these things are going to come. He told us that they are happening. And for us who are believers, we know then therefore that the end is near. It's not something that we should fear. It's something that we should embrace. It's something that we really should not fear. Because God is true to His Word. And he's going to bring it to fulfillment. And the more we see the wickedness out there in the world, the more we know how close it is. Every day that we live is a day closer to the day that we're not going to be here on the earth. So embrace this and see the beauty of God. Because in every situation, right through this Bible, whomever it was, a nation, a people, God's people was always being taken care of. Irrespective of what was happening around them. And we can stand on this truth. So I want to take us just to a few scriptures this morning as a start into the book of Isaiah in chapter 26. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Study Bible. This has become my favorite translation at the moment. I've always, 
I've always stuck to the New King James. It's just, it speaks to me and it, you, you, you remember the Word of God when you pray. You remember the Scriptures because that is what is in your, in your heart and in your mind. And for you, it may be a different one, but I'm falling in love with this translation purely because it brings out the essence of what God really says through the explanation of the Hebrew and the Greek. And I want to literally just read a few verses here. Uh, Isaiah 26, verse 3, and I'm going to use certain scriptures, not everything out of those verses, because this is what God really is saying. He's saying to you all, when we read this, He's saying to us all, and to those via the live stream, welcome. I know you have been greeted, but welcome to yet the Word of God this morning. God is saying, and this is what He said to me, this is my Word for you for now. For the now. Listen what God is saying, verse 3. God, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. Verse 4. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He is your fortress, your shield, and your banner, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Verse 7, the way of the righteous, those who are in right standing with God and living in moral and spiritual integrity, says the way of those, the righteous, is smooth and level. O upright one, make a level path for the just and the righteous. Verse 8, your name, God, even your memory is the desire and the deep longing of our souls. And then verse 9, In the night my soul longs for you, O Lord. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. If my mind, my soul, and my spirit seeks God, this world has got nothing on me. And I look forward then to what lies ahead in this day, because it is not without Christ, but it is with Christ. And every day thereafter, should I replace this life to the one that is to come, it will be with Christ eternal. And then verse 21, no, sorry, verse 19. Your dead will live, their dead bodies will rise, and you will lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is a dew of celestial light, heavenly and supernatural, and the earth will give birth to the spirits of the dead. God is saying right now for us, right now what is happening, we should not keep our eyes upon the world, but what is happening right now with you? Where is your walk with God? What is God saying to you? What has He told you to do? What is it that you need to pray for? What is it that God is saying to you? Because God reminds us, He speaks to us through His Word, and you're going to find those answers only in His Word. Because if we look at the world out there, those who are the righteous ones and those who are the believers out in the world, we are excited because we know God still protects, God still provides, God still answers prayers. He has never stopped that for the righteous ones. But we who are saved, we also see the calamity of the world. 
because we see how they are walking in fear. We see the sins that they are walking in and we see how God is stretching out His arm towards them and He wants them to come back to Him. But their hearts are so hardened that they cannot even answer the call of God to come into the sheepfold. We as the believers, we see all of this. We see all of this. And they reject God because they've replaced the truth of this word with their own truth. And listen to what God says in verse 21, the same book of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 21. He says this, listen carefully. This is God's word. And all of us must listen carefully because God says, listen carefully. The Lord is about to come out of his heavenly place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their wickedness, their sin, their injustice, and their wrongdoing. God is saying He is going to come down from His heavenly place and He's going to punish the wicked and the sin. As He's going to take care of us in every season of our life, God is going to act. If we just look at our nation, then we see many things are wrong, wrong practices, wrong beliefs, wrong actions that people take. That is just our nation. And you can elaborate on that as much as you want. If we look at the world, we see how the world has totally gone off track and they have turned their backs on God. And this is why God's word is so powerful because God takes us back to that because God tells us a time such as this is coming. Well, it has arrived because now the Lord says, soon the lawless one is going to be revealed. And for us who are believers, we've got nothing to worry because by the time that the lawless one, which is the Antichrist, is going to be revealed, we will be gone. The church is going to be taken away and we will be in the heavens. And he comes and he will be, and he will be totally manipulated by Satan and he will do all kinds of powers and signs as he said in the word of God in 1 John 2 verses 18. But now, listen what God says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. He says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. And he will come with all power, signs and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. This is what is happening to the people who are the unrighteous ones who will not be away when the church is taken away. Why is this happening? And God answers it. He says, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, people don't have a desire for truth anymore. Everyone has got his own version of the truth. We choose whose truth we want to believe. You've got people who even teach different truths concerning this word. People follow popular influences, they call them nowadays. They follow global leaders. They become the followers of man, sports personalities, because something about that person, what that person is saying, resonates with me and I accept that truth. Even if it contradicts this, this soothes my soul and I am more comfortable with that truth. God says, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And then he says in verse 11, and for this reason, 
because they've walked away from God's truth. The only truth that exists in this word. He says, for this reason, he will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You see, there is a truth and only one truth that saves and it is here. This is the only truth that saves. It is the only truth that matters and every other truth that we build upon that is over this, we elevate that truth over God's truth. And when we do that, we become gods unto ourselves, and we've replaced God and woe unto us because God will act when we do this. Verse 12, he says this, that when we do this, when we reject the truth of God and we accept the truth of any person else out there in the world, he says, they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And if that is not bad enough where God says that he condemns them, God says, I will not remember them and I will wipe away the memory of that person. That is what God says. Going back again, Isaiah 26, what we've just read from. Now verse 14, this is what God says. The wicked dead will not live again. The spirits of the dead, of these people, they will not rise and return. Therefore, you, O God, have punished and destroyed them, and you have wiped out every memory of them. Every trace of them will be removed. This is what God will do for those who walk away from the truth. Even right now, as we live in this season of our lives, this is the only truth that God has given us. And if we walk away from this, and if we replace this with any other truth, God will not remember us. That's God's words. The question is, but does God then remember us? Will I be remembered by God? The answer is emphatically yes. God remembers only His children, those who follow after Him. Right through the Bible, we have got examples of how God continuously looks after His people and He remembers them and He brings them into remembrance. Israel is a typical example. Right through the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the church becomes that example. But right through the Bible, God speaks of how He remembers His people. Even when Israel, or actually the two tribes of Judah, when they came back out of captivity from Babylon, after being 70 years in captivity, God doesn't only say that He remembers them, but in His Word, He proves to us He remembered them. He sent three men over a period of time, and all of them to do three different things. And when you put it all together, you just see the wonder-working hand of our God. Because when they came back, He sent a man called Zerubbabel to go and rebuild the temple of God. 57 years later, He sends a man by the name of Ezra to go and, and reestablish the law in Jerusalem and in Israel again. 13 years after that, He sends a man by the name of Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And if you just look at the names of these three people and what they mean, then you see how God remembers His people. Because Zerubbabel means plainly this, those who come from or who descend from Babylon. This is where they were kept in captivity for 70 years. The name of Ezra means God helps or God will help. And Nehemiah means God comforts. 
So God was telling Israel, He was telling them, even before they came out, He was telling them, I know you where you come from, Babylon. I will help you and I will comfort you. Now, if God speaks to His people like this, how much more is He speaking to us? And where do we find it? Right here. Right here we find it. Because God says, I will remember you. How will God remember you? God teaches us always in the Word of God of how a Christian should live. And one of these people in the whole book of Nehemiah, four times, four times Nehemiah says this to God, Oh God, remember me. Four times. Why these four times? Look at what he did in all those those four times. Because in this, God teaches us how to live in the hour of today. The first time you find in Nehemiah 5 verse 19, when he asked the Lord, Oh God, remember me. What did he do? To ask God to remember him. You see, when Nehemiah was granted the go-ahead to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he had favor from the king of Persia, and he had letters who gave him the authority to travel through the provinces, and he had also um, provision to go forth and build a house for himself, and also he was appointed as governor of Judah, and as a governor, he had the right to certain income and provisions to go and do the work that he was done. But Nehemiah never did that. He never used his allowance as the governor of Judah to benefit himself or anyone. He refused that. He only lived on the things that the king sent with him. When he went to build that wall, he had servants who came with him. He physically was there. And all his servants didn't stand in the house and serve the other people only. They came and they also had to have one hand on a weapon and one hand on a building material to build the temple. And when Nehemiah saw the atrocities of what happened in Jerusalem, it was a time of famine. And even amongst the Israelites, they were... They were very, very bad towards one another. The wealthy actually suppressed the poor so much so that the poor sold their children just to cover their debt. And when Nehemiah saw this, he was highly upset with this. He didn't buy any land at a time when there was hardly any money. He could have purchased a lot of land to make himself wealthy. He didn't do that. And in his house, every day, 150 of the leaders of Israel came to his house and he fed them out of his own provision, taking nothing out of his allowance as the governor of Judah. He took care of them daily, 150 of them. And there were people who came to visit him during the tenure of the 12 years that he was at the time in Jerusalem. Twice he went to to, to go to Jerusalem. This was the first time. You see, God remembered Nehemiah because how Nehemiah managed his possessions and his finances, because he was a radical giver. He was a person who gave. And in the same way, God knew he could bless this person because he gave, and the more he gave to Nehemiah, the more Nehemiah gave to God, because God knew he was a man after his heart. Just as we know, Jesus Christ is the ultimate radical giver. Jesus held nothing back, so much so that he even came and gave his life. That is how much he gave. And yet, when Jesus agreed to come to the earth, he brought nothing from heaven to the earth. He was born in a cave. He never had a home that he stayed in. He even moved or traveled on a borrowed donkey into Jerusalem. And when he was buried in a grave, 
It was a borrowed grave. He had no possessions. He gave his all, and yet he took nothing. He gave everything, his life, and he gave us hope. He gave miracles. He gave healing. He gave help. That is what our Jesus did, and he still does it today. The only thing that he didn't give, the only thing that he kept, the only thing that he kept, he kept the sins that we had upon him so that he would be punished for that. That is the only thing that Jesus kept for himself. How powerful is that? He didn't give that away. He didn't give that away. He took that and he kept that and he took the punishment for that. That is what our Lord Jesus Christ did. This is why God could remember someone like Nehemiah. Here is the key that I want to give to you just pertaining to this particular situation. Listen to me. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you do not learn how to give. That is a fact. If you think you've got possessions, you've got degrees, you've got qualifications, you've got success, you've got businesses, you've got wealth, you've got homes, you've got cars. Let me tell you, nothing of that you obtained by yourself. It was all because of God. God gave us the ability and the gifts to obtain this. We are just the manner through which it operates to obtain that so that we can see the goodness of God. Nothing of this is of us. If we make these things our possessions, if we make them our kingdom, then hell is where we will go. We have to see who is the God who provides this possession. That's why God loved Nehemiah, and that's why he remembered him. It is how he lived and acted concerning the possessions and the belongings that he had. The second time when Nehemiah asked the Lord to remember him is the last chapter in Nehemiah, chapter 13, verses 14. And what happened here is there was a man, Tobia, and Tobia was kept in one of the rooms in the house of God, in the courtyard. And when Nehemiah heard of this, he became enraged that the priest would allow this because it was not just that Tobiah was actually an oppressor and he was an adversary to Nehemiah and God. He wasn't even a Jew. But worse than this, the room that he was staying in was the room where all the tithes and the offerings and the oil and all the gifts and the articles were supposed to be kept. So number one, they're having a sinner that stays in the house of God in the room where it's supposed to be all God's provision. And number two, Israel obviously doesn't bring their giving and their tithing and their offerings and their articles and the oil and the frankincense and the wine that they're supposed to give. They have rejected God by not giving unto him. And when Nehemiah saw this, he got highly enraged. He went to that room. He took Tobiah. He threw him and his belongings out. And he ridiculed Israel for doing this. All the wealthy and the elders in Israel. And he said to them, today, today I give you a command. We restore what is rightfully God's. And therefore they started they bringing in the tithes and the offering. Because here is the principle. God says, if we don't bring to him, we rob him. We rob God when we don't bring to His house. Oh, precious child of God, the last thing we want to be accused of in this life, if God says that we have been robbing Him. I have robbed Him in my own life when I was too stubborn to give unto God. But God worked with me. And today I've got no evidence 
that God doesn't bless those who give unto Him. Nehemiah knew this, and this is why God would remember him. It is how we treated money and possessions in the house of God. Listen to what God says. Listen to what God says. When David gave, listen to what he says. 1 Chronicles 29.3. David saying this now. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God, I have given to the house of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, I also gave my own special treasure and gold and silver. This is how, God, this is how David gave to God. I know that Pastor Harold and Mord use David as an example when they bring their thanksgiving offering every year at this time of the year. They have taken it upon themselves because God has purposed it in their heart that they would give more than anyone else. This is for them. This is what they do, and obediently they do this. This is the biblical example that they follow of David. What biblical example will you follow in this month of Thanksgiving? How will you give? Who moves you to give? And what will you give to God? Because I come back to my first point. Those who do not learn how to give will not inherit the kingdom of God because the greatest giver of all is still Jesus Christ, giving His own life. Why did David give so much to God? Because the more David gave, the more God started giving to David. And the, David would reciprocate and he would give more, but God would keep on giving him more. That's why God remembered him. That's what God, why God remembered Nehemiah, because the more God gave to Nehemiah, the more Nehemiah gave unto God. And the Bible is full of such examples. Why would Isaac be so blessed to reap a hundredfold? What did he do that he was so special? Well, apart from the fact he was the son, he was the covenant son that was made through Abraham. In a time when there was famine, God told him, don't leave Gerar and don't go up to Egypt. Stay here. When God says to you, stay, even when there's famine and when there is drought, then you stay. Because Isaac then planted when there was drought and God says he reaped a hundredfold that same year in a season of drought. God is not moved by the seasons and the things that are happening in this world because He wants to sow His marvelous grace and mercy, especially when it's going hard and tough out there. Because greater then is the miracle that we can testify of what God is doing. We don't move. We stay. Yes. Glory to God. Zacchaeus, when Jesus told him, come down there, immediately Zacchaeus was so moved. What did he do? He started giving. That's what happens when God gets hold of you. Zacchaeus gave. He said to God, half my possession, today I give away. And those whom I've robbed, I give four times back for those whom I've robbed. And Jesus said, truly today salvation came to this house. That's the greatest gift that came to Zacchaeus. He was a wealthy tax collector, but he got saved. When that woman was there in the house with Jesus Christ, our Lord, and she came and she poured out that flask of oil upon him. She was ridiculed by the disciples, but Jesus rebuked all those disciples. And he said to her, what she did will always be remembered. I will remember her and it will come as a memorial when the gospel is preached. 
that was such an expensive thing that she did because the value of that oil that she poured out on our Lord Jesus Christ was the price or the value of an annual year's salary. Just let it for a moment sink in. Let's talk about it today. If you earn 100,000 a month, and there are people that earns this, if you earn 100,000 rand a month, it means are you prepared to give God something of 1.2 million instantaneously. That's what that woman did when she poured out that oil upon Jesus Christ. She didn't look at the value what was in her hand. She looked at the value that was right in front of her. You cannot measure the value of Christ. He, she gave her all as Christ gave his all as well. The third time that Nehemiah asked God to remember him is found in verse 22 of chapter 14. And what had happened here now, he saw Israel themselves were now pressing the wine press, and they were getting food together, and they were planning all these things, loaded the camels, went into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and they traded and did commerce, and they bought and they were selling things. And simultaneously, Nehemiah saw all the outsiders, the people from Tyre and all the outsiders, they came to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. They entered into the city and they started trading and doing commerce on the day of the Lord, the Sabbath day. It irked him so much that immediately addressed it with the people and he rebuked them for that. He built a gate and closed Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And he told all those outsiders who were camping outside the walls when the gate was closed on the Sabbath day, he told them, I will physically harm you if you do this again. Once and twice the word says that they were there and they didn't, didn't come anymore. He was a radical man. God remembered Nehemiah for your zeal for God's house and for the Sabbath day to not do commerce and trading on the Sabbath day. And God is very clear about this. The Sabbath day is still holy. It is still holy today. And anybody who teaches different to that is not preaching the Word of God. You can't tell me that it's just, it was the old covenant. Because if you want to do that, you have to remove that out of the Bible. Because it says there, the Sabbath day should be kept holy. God commanded this. And if we say, but we're living today in a different time and things are differently, then we have to say all the other nine commandments in Exodus 20, you have to then remove as well. That still stands today. God says we cannot make any images. We cannot worship other gods. God says we cannot blaspheme His name. He still says we can't murder, we can't steal, we can't commit adultery, we can't covet. Those laws are still standing today. And to honor the Sabbath day is still applicable today. Woe unto those who do it differently. And this is why God remembered Nehemiah because he ridiculed his own people. How dare you commercialize the Sabbath day? Till today, it is a command that stands. You see, they tried to trap Jesus when, because people say, this is the Old Testament. When now we're living in the New Testament, that's why they came for Jesus and asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Pay attention to the question. They wanted the single one-liner. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength. And they thought, it's great, this is done. And then he said, oh, but the second one, equal to this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took those two. The first four commandments in the Bible pertains to God. He covered that when he said, you shall love the Lord your God. The last six commandments pertains to man. That's why he covered the second part when he said equal to that. Jesus was saying, 
All the law, all the commandments is summed up in this. For you as the Pharisees, just go back to your Bible, to your scriptures, to your writings, to the Torah, because it still stands today. That's why God remembered him. I still remember, it's talking about the giving and the finance side some months ago, and this is just to give God glory. We decided to bless a particular person. And four times we got back that same month what we gave to that person. That's just how God works when you become a giver. I got that revelation. I can never not be a giver again. A few months later, we gave a certain amount again to a person. 32 times we got back of what we gave, a blessing from God. We have got no proof that God doesn't exist when it comes to our giving. The last, the last one is the very last verse of the last chapter in the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah asked God, remember me, O God. What did he do this time around? He got enraged when he saw his own people marrying the pagan nations. It was so bad that he said half the Hebrew children couldn't even speak their native language. How do you become so wicked and lost that you can't even speak the language of the holy God? He ridiculed them. He made them swear to stop this practice. Some of them he took by the hair and he told them, stop doing this. This is how radical Nehemiah was for God. God remembered Nehemiah because Nehemiah chose to yoke himself with God and he told his own people, don't be unequally yoked. Listen to what it says here. In 2 Corinthians 6 verses 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. You see, now Jesus has become the yoke for us and he invites us to be yoked with him. And when we are yoked with Jesus, we will uphold what God is teaching through Nehemiah for all of us because these four things he teaches to every Christian. And when you do this, God is going to remember you because he says this, I'm watching you and I will remember you, my precious child. I watch and see how you manage finances, how you act with possessions and belongings that I give to you. I watch you, number two, and I will remember you how you handle and deal with giving unto God in His house. And the Lord says, I will remember you how you had zeal for my house and refused to do commerce on the Sabbath day. And lastly, God says, I will remember you if you choose to be yoked with me. You see, and I'm closing off with this, when Nehemiah asked God, please to remember me, it wasn't to re for, for him to remind God all the good deeds that I did. He was so moved for Israel, for the people who used to be lost, but are still the chosen people of God. And take that to today, to all the people that are out there, whom Jesus Christ paid for with his blood, Blood. He was so moved. He said, please remember me for their sake that they, he says here, this is what it means, for the sake of them and for their welfare and for their good so that they may please you, God. When we say today, oh God, remember me, what do we say? Remember me, God, because I chose you. I chose you because I remember what you've done. You gave your everything so that I may live. That's why we remember God. And this is when, will God remember me? When we choose God, God will remember us all the days of our lives. And now we got Him permanently living with us through His Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Because we remember Him. For He's holy and He's righteous. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father,
We are truly standing before you, Lord. We've got nothing to offer but ourselves. I still believe the greatest possession we can have in this life is if we possess Christ. Help us to do that and to live in that way. And in this month of Thanksgiving, bless us with that knowledge and with that truth. Help us to have that zeal as Nehemiah had because Christ already paid the price. For you are worthy to be remembered, Lord. And today, all of us ask you, Father, by your grace and your mercy, please remember us so that Christ may be glorified in our lives. And now, Lord, as we depart from you, I pray your blessing over your people. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit be with us now forevermore until eternity. And Lord, until we come together in your house, God willing, let it be so. In Jesus Christ's name we pray this and we all agree and say, Amen. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.